You're listening to BAU, Business as Unusual, the podcast that is shifting the way we think, interact and transact. We're good? Good morning. (laughs) You're good, we're good, we're alive. And it's Friday. All right. It is Friday, isn't it? It is Friday. It is, yeah. Um, Back on track. Everything's on. Good. Yeah, we've pressed record. We've pressed record. Yeah, so Morning, we're both Joe. we're both a little sleep deprived. There's there's no doubt. So um, I'm getting it through doggy parenting. So um, young Labrador still uh, still learning what uh, what is good to eat in the outdoors and what is not not good to eat. Yeah. And Pat, you're uh, yeah, you've obviously got two kids under the age of four. So. Anyone who has kids knows that um, Pat doesn't get a lot of sleep. No, not at the moment. Um, but here we are, got another cup of joe, and we're alive and kicking. We're about to hit into daylight saving, so who knows what we find on the other side of that very, magical very cusp. But very um, for anyone else not understanding yeah. what daylight savings is, we're going to go back in time. We well. are, we are, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, starting off today, what's, what are your views on, on daylight savings? It's a bit of a, it's a bit of a contentious topic. At the moment, it really is, mm. isn't it? Um, my views on daylight savings is, <laughs> I don't have a strong opinion on them. I think since having kids, I've got more of a strong opinion mm. when it kicks over later in summer. Yep. Um, but I used to love daylight savings when I was a teenager because it was lighter for longer. You could extend your hours later in the day and really enjoy that. But mm. now having kids, you see it affect the circadian rhythm when you're trying to t- line it up with everything else. Yeah, that's It's simple for me right now. That's where it sits. Yep. I don't no, get very enough. deep on it. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a strange construct, isn't it? Because so, when, you, when you think about it, people i think you experience it as if we're we're getting an extra hour or we're losing we're losing an hour even the way that we talk about it but as far as i know the day still has 24 hours in it yeah but i think that kind of you know it's it's particularly interesting in australia because obviously some states opt in to doing it and others others whatever they do it for it's uh yeah, it's just a very strange time. But when we get into winter, we're all on the same program, at least kind of, you know, we don't, have, we don't have to adjust across all of these different different time zones. Whereas if you, um, you know, you're in business or whatever you're dealing with organizations in mm. Queensland, quite often through summer, it's this, this mental math you've always got to do. Are they in the same time as us? Oh, no, they're actually an hour behind us or an hour ahead. I often forget which which one it is. Um, but yeah, it's, it's obviously, it's a, it's a tricky one to figure out and then wa is no different it goes three hours now um as of sunday and four hours the rest of the year which is very bizarre it's a big chunk Mm. there's something i really like about daylight savings i will say is that it really shows that we are constructors of time that time is a construct and it reminds you two times a year if you do live in daylight savings (laughs) otherwise it goes unnoticed to a certain degree if it just keeps ticking over like there's this moment where hang on we're like all flicking our watches or now just checking our phones and that tick over (laughs) (laughs) Um, so not so much that playfulness with time but there's something in that moment that Mm. makes you reflect if you want or gives you that opportunity to reflect and realize that this is very much a human construct it's true time and it's it's great that it's sort of contentious i think more conversations around time is the better because it is such a it is such a construct i find that there's humor in it 
yeah that, that's just me um and it's a good time to reflect it yeah time is time time is time yeah no it's true yeah, the universe it's what you the make universe it. doesn't yeah. doesn't measure itself in hours that's for sure no so oh well let's see what happens when we flick back but hopefully get a few early surfs that's uh, true yeah because yeah, that's obviously the the other side effect of that here at the moment isn't it is that it's uh that kind of early window the early bird is the early bird. <laughs> there's no well there's no worms to get <laughs> that, at the moment so yeah, yeah more easterly winds um yeah, but that that said is that typically you know you can't early bird um surf but now that opportunity comes back but you lose the the late um hourly surf that you could have done at the other end of the day it's true so kind of it's it feels like it's the this time of year often feels like it's just this abrupt change where it kind of goes from from one mode into this weird little patch for about three or four weeks mm. where it's just it's just dark early in the morning um you know it's like it's dark until like what seven seven ish um and then it just goes bang back to light at six o'clock but then at the other end it's dark at seven yeah and then it's winter here Winter's we are upon. here we are so today we're also thinking long and short mm. how to build and because off the back of last week's conversation, we were talking about how to build hopeful narratives, what they build into life, what they lead past the Walt Disney sort of everything's a rainbow, but actually how they instill an ability in individuals to be confident, resilient, mm-hmm. and a whole lot of other different benefits, but how to sort of carve a path. But we sort of ran into a friction point, which was from an organizational, political, even personal point of view, is that... If you cast long, often long narratives allow for hope, hmm. but how to get there in short and how to move a boat with or a ship or a train with lots of people on there, all willing to be on there without killing <laughs> yep. the leadership, understanding that at the moment humanity is very judged on its short-term gains. Hmm. So how do we do that is going to be an interesting one in terms of thinking through in this episode, which are some of the tactics to be able to cast along and then build for the short and get there and on that windy path. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think it's, it's often helpful the way that you're describing it is, is a good way in terms of that the longer term tends to be more the path. But I think, you know, the, one of the, one of the core questions to ask yourself is how fixed on the path are you actually going to, going to be? So if you're cutting a trail through the woods, are you going to account for the big trees you find and veer slightly left or right or kind of north, south, however you kind of look at it to get around that obstacle? Or are you just going no matter what and, and going through the, through the tree? Whereas the, the short term things I think are things that tend to be more, um, you know, often in organizations is about breaking those things down so you know i think often the art of building a a really compelling narrative for change is being able to do both simultaneously so being able to go here's the rough path that we're heading on but having some clear um objectives so um, climate change is is a good one right so whatever we think about how that's um happening in the short term in the long term um in terms of when you look out to 2050 most countries have gone okay there's now a clear target so if you think about it from a narrative structure and you look at it through that lens there's now a there's there's an end goal that it has been communicated right so in terms of kind of getting to net zero so even if you think about the language that's been chosen around that and kind of building building hope into that net zero feels 
kind of from a language perspective it feels interesting you know it feels like it's something that um, we can work towards but yet as we move from one step if you think about it it's quite clever every single small step we take on that journey towards net zero is about reduction towards a target of zero kind of you know basically bringing it into balance because that's the net part of the zero it doesn't mean that we're not going to emit carbon it means that we're actually going to be able to balance those those two things and that type of narrative then has issues because of probably its length as well all at all at the same time and the small steps aren't um as clear you know in terms of what we're actually doing and i think that's often the struggle so you can kind of think about it in a construct wise it's quite a good construct Mm. but yet then in the short term it tends to fall apart yeah the practicals the practicals we actually have the wheels do we have to build new wheels like is there a track through there like your forest analogy there and i think that's so true if you do come across a big tree Hmm. but then when when you come in (laughs) <laughs> that analogy for the lands strange when we talk about climate change and where that hits and you're starting to see that i think at a political level always seeing that in australia where that sits mm. and then at a business level i suppose always trying to get that barometer of where everyone's at and how to whether you have to go harder there's now 2030 exactly some nation states some organizations are pushing very hard for that 2030 and then you get that friction because it's a change of immediacy i can see the horizon now or i can see the flood level now it's time to adjust our site and push for that but you're so right in terms of getting and galvanizing lots of different stakeholders businesses communities around that sort of policy or that narrative for change and being able to check as they go Mm. and build momentum into that it's it's very handy to do that but it does fall short often it does it does yeah so that small games like what is that falling short do you think is it because it's hard to communicate all the wins or it's different motives that are sort of driving that often it's the the moment of the of the hour sort of can switch focus because everyone's sort Mm. of focusing on something completely different at one moment and then they'll swing back yeah so how do how do you keep pulling through those sort of dips in attention and still ticking off that track where you've got to be going for say let's keep it at 2050 but now it's 2030 all of a sudden your length's gotten shorter well it's it's interesting because i think often in in organizations as well as kind of in in society it's it what what we te- what we tend to miss is that kind of is the motivation base of most humans and most humans kind of are hopeful about about the future but our motivation our intrinsic motivation tends to be based on something that is very very basic which is how afraid am i versus kind of how you know i guess kind of um liberated or free do i actually feel in in this space and often it's about mixing those those two things so short term is having that step towards this is what we're all working Mm -hmm. towards but then it becomes into how do you link narrative to measurement so how do you actually, you know, tangibly show that you're actually taking taking steps along the way? And those those kind of measurements have to be fairly concrete. Mm. And that's why I think it's it's interesting. You know, government, I think, you know, particularly here in Australia, but even, you know, you can look at Canada, which I'll come on to in a sec, about how I think in Australia we're kind of going, we don't we we we're probably more accepting at a government level, although it's I don't enjoy the way it's communicated. But I think they're kind of more in on top of 
actually what needs to occur, right? So in terms of their scope of influence to take a country that has one of the um, highest uses of hydrocarbons in the world, um, has an electric grid that, um, I don't, I mean, like, yeah, like a small African country would be ashamed of in terms of kind of actually how, how it runs and then the size of, of our country. There's an awful lot of work to do, you know, around that. Now, obviously, it gets discouraging when you never see any investment put into that. But that said, then you look, you go the flip side, which is kind of Canada's gone, oh, we actually going to bring in a carbon tax to get to 2030. And that's going to mean 42% kind of um, carbon tax on top of things like kind of oil and gas, but only 10% on transport. And then you get into these weird kind of dilemmas, which is like, well, they both pollute equally, according to the kind of the net kind of um, zero goals, but yet one's paying this, one's paying tax. And therefore, the hopeful dilemma becomes what we've talked about a lot, it becomes a fight between kind of two, two areas. Whereas I think you look at places like the UK, and they've gone or kind of um, small, um, kind of, I guess, business. Um, and they've gone, well, you know, kind of 2030, is the right window, but they've got very tangible, measurable steps towards yeah. actually achieving that. For sure. I can hear you on the complexity of Australia <laughs> trying to reach there, and you've always touched on that and such a realist in terms of hitting those marks. <laughs> but I, I don't fully agree with it. I think that <laughs> we're definitely used to a lot of cash coming in from a certain industry, and you can <laughs> still see it now sure. that that pullback from trying to actually make steps to make that change. It is sort of forcefully putting its heels at the moment. We don't have the climate <laughs> policy, as we've mentioned. Sure. Um, and so there is that change of guard, so to speak. It's hmm. still, it's still very much coal gas here and that yeah, yeah, pops yeah. up yeah. a huge amount of our gdp because you get to tax it so heavy no i know and i don't want us to get sidetracked but i hear you yeah like my counterpoint to that would be that that to me is disconnected because the majority of that goes offshore right so yeah. the majority of the reason why that's tax taxed is because obviously the mineral rights in terms of actually kind of you know net revenue coming back into the state coffers is that that's the second it leaves our country yeah. So as an exporter of coal, as an exporter of natural gas we, and a little bit of oil, we have an awful lot to answer for mm. in, in the global context. But in our local context as a, as a country, that doesn't answer that most of our grid kind of generation and stuff is actually changing quite quickly but it's the and we have one of the the highest adoptions of solar generation in the world um but yet our grid can't cope with it right so that's kind of like it doesn't really matter you can put as much energy as you want kind of up onto your roof but unless you capture it at your home you're getting pennies on the dollar of going flowing back out in the grid because the grid is you know like I mean, it was built in the nineteen I don't know twenties, thirties maybe maybe forties if I'm if but I'm that, being it, kind. So yeah, well you are getting so no, that's right. We'll go into the rabbit hole. We'll come back out. It's okay. Yeah. But then doesn't that call like immediately for the government? Like if that is the case, there's only one way for that, unless the grid is privatized. Yes. Well, that's so that's yeah. the conundrum, and that's the conversation that we never had. But, but, but yeah, and we've been through this. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it was going to be acquired by um, a state-backed entity out of China. Yeah. Was going to acquire the grid. That all got knocked back. But yet, there is there's no investment in how that actually is is going to work in terms of kind of you know making it work. Yes, we have smart meters, yeah. but what we don't have is <laughs> yeah. But we don't. But that's all been done by kind of you know the the energy provider yeah. locally. But what we don't have 
have is a smart grid. Yeah. So then, you know, if you kind of look at getting getting to that, that is probably, I mean, that would be the one investment you could make that would get you an awful long way towards towards this future. But I think it is interesting coming back to kind of um, the topic mm. is that what our government here in Australia has done is kind of like the hopeful message that they've put out is that technology is actually going to solve this yeah right so we want to back technology to come through hydrogen hydrogen etc what they're what i think they're saying through that is we want to find a greener way to export energy which is fine yeah but yet match by that it's you know i always sit there and you know i try not to scream at the tv because that reminds me of too much of my dad watching the news but i do feel my temperature rise when they kind of stand up they're like well you know technology is going to help us do all of these types of things but yet the technology to actually build a smart grid i mean that's not new right (laughs) like but yet it would be the one biggest unlock they could actually put in place in terms of jobs in terms of kind of um lowering the cost of living lowering the cost of energy is that literally you know you can say to mate down the road that look you broadly put solar panels on your roof you feed back into this thing and it's going to cut your energy usage by in terms of what you pay by 80 percent who's not happy in that scenario well that's where i think you've hit on a really interesting point about the long and the short mm-hmm. when you got a long and you've got conflicting narratives tying into that and tying into the short it's an interesting political game in that because yeah. the fence or like the time gets compressed but it's mm-hmm. say so the government of now doesn't have to deliver on that long necessarily especially Correct. if they've got a narrative that's saying technology in the future is going to solve it yeah they've been saying that for maybe 50 70 years yeah and the technology is here but that narrative in our minds as a society and as a collective is like oh yeah technology we're so good at innovating (laughs) yeah of course that's gonna happen it's it's a bit of a as you say like Mm. it's like if you can Mm. put them on that post and say well actually Mm. what we're what we're arguing for around this budget or around that and say if you actually apply the technology we have today, then you're sort of solving some of these promises that you're yep. supposedly delivering next budget. Totally. And Which, then, so let me ask you this back and then, you know, kind of um, make a point as I ask it. So we have form of doing this in terms of like, we've actually done large nation changing kind of things, mm. i.e. like whatever you think of the MBN, yeah. it has changed the ability of most Australians to live anywhere and actually participate mm. in the global services economy in terms of in the information age. It's done that, right? I, a lot of the technology was applied, antiquated, you know, still copper running here. Some places your MBN slow, all of that sort of stuff, but they've actually built it, right? And yes, it ran over budget, but the reality is an unlock for the country. It's massive. But then when you come to the grid, it's this mixed message around technology can solve it, but we have the technology, no one wants to invest in it. And my question um, as part of all of that is that where do you end up as an individual in that? Like, do you feel less hopeful about the future because you don't experience tangible actions today being taken towards that goal? Yeah, I feel... I wouldn't say less hopeful because I'm an eternal optimist, but I feel Mm. like one road feels blocked. Mm. That's probably how I'd describe it. It feels like one road is dead at the moment. Mm. Like there's no, (laughs) it's exhausted. (laughs) There's something systemically wrong with that road. Mm. And that is sort of where where I'm at. It's always been where I'm at since a young, a young sort of self-aware person of politics in the way that, the world works here in Australia. Mm. 
it was like a one horse race when it comes to federal elections. I know that isn't true, but it sort of it is, is in sort some, of is yeah. in in some instances. Um, and I don't want to take for granted our democratic rights and everything going on here, but at the same time, there is some policies where there is one pony running around and around and around and around, yep. and it has been doing that for a very long time. So that's yeah. where I feel like... A, a coal pony. Yeah, yeah. a coal pony. <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah, a coal pony. So that's where I feel like the dead end is. Mm. And um, coming back to that community is... That's where I feel like the groundswell is, but that swell's been there for so long. It has. And it has to hit a switch and it has to it has to either forge a new road and maybe get the same traffic. I'm talking about the political road being able to drive through there. Or I, I don't know the alternative, but that's sort of where how I see it. I think there's the need, the desire for it. It's going to happen at one point, but hmm. I don't know necessarily how, and it's going to be forced upon that road, whether it's coming from the other way, yeah. and it's going to have to backtrack and build back onto itself. To yeah, no, up. you're so you're so right because it's you know that that kind of that sense of hope I think often in narrative form is that leading a narrative you have to be able to embrace complexity so you actually have to be able to resolve those things so they don't turn into dead ends because you can look at something like kind of where we're at with with climate and with leadership and a natural narrative around it you it's quite easy to draw the thread between how all these actions are actually interrelated so in terms of where we are today as a as a country we absolutely rely on export not just um not just natural gas but that's going to become a much bigger part of the the mix of what our economy is based on but certainly things like you know um iron ore and coal then to smelt it for example but you can make that thing to say well okay well green hydrogen for example is going to be a way that we're actually going to be able to take that and make that all less energy intensive and actually create green steel like there's a very compelling narrative that is future centric job creating and able to actually kind of do that but you can draw that thread as well to actually reducing our own you know using solar for example and actually having a smart grid that can make use of the energy of the future you can draw a parallel between those two things and you know if you if we had real leadership around that they'd be able to say well okay well the taxable income from this the windfalls that we actually get in times like this we're actually investing back into our own energy future Mm. and make that link to you know this emerging area of energy security which is kind of really one of the the worries about in the world at the moment is you know at least what i kind of look at is that this narrative around we've got to have energy security is highly problematic you know where that actually actually lands but for a um island nation like australia that it could be actually an advantage but you could complete the circle and actually have short-term steps but that would take real leadership right and that's that's the thing where you kind of come back to it is that you know as you you absolutely nailed is that there's no long-term incentive to deliver this you're listening to bau business as unusual the podcast that is shifting the way we think interact and transact your hosts patrick beggs of per production a production house that works with organisations to create media that strengthens culture and communicates that culture to the world. And Joe Rogers, CEO of The Contenders, a brand agency famous for crafting brands which deliver results for those who work for them, shop for them and support them. For more information, head to baupod.co. 
And if you find this podcast insightful, please help us by telling a friend and rating us on iTunes. Thank you. Now back to our conversations. There isn't, and no. that's and that's what's such an interesting point when we're talking about narrative and and the way we communicate that that path forward. And you see it so mm. obviously exemplified in politics, but then you also see it at a corporate level when you're trying to deliver on shareholder gains. Say mm. if it's if it's a shareholder owned company, mm. um, and a lot of that you're trying to deliver profit to. You often got this, everyone's got the one mission statement, impact X amount of lives doing X. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people say that once you reach that goal, you're dead as mm. a business like because yeah. you don't have that, <laughs> yeah. that driving force. And it's yeah. like, oh, you've done that. Yeah. Cool. Well, it's next. You're like, oh, no. I don't know. Yeah. You so, end up creating the metaverse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. The zuck zuck. Yeah. So that's an interesting one in terms of it being a motor that we haven't touched on is that driving force that pulls everyone together to feel like they're on a path but mm. then the mechanics behind that is you're trying to cut costs or you're trying to figure out clever ways to deliver value year on year on year to the shareholders to keep them happy absolutely and how that's an interesting construct in terms of that promise that you never really want to reach as a business mm. in a in a lot of senses unless you have a promise after that yeah um and that's sort of when we say that with politics it's scary because if if we never reach if we never reach green neutral or if we do what happens then like it's been yeah. this galvanizing fire oh, yeah, for sure for sure but like what i would say is that that's all very true but in a in a corporate sense and then kind of coming back to yeah. more of a citizen sense is yeah. that in a corporate sense what happens is kind of longevity of of ceo so there's there's a very strong correlation between yeah. well-run organizations that have a very very clear mission statement that actually deliver in the short term keep their employees deliver for shareholders and the the actual tenure of its leadership you know in terms of of, they tend to create their own leaders they tend to kind of promote from within they tend to kind of build these ways of looking at the world that are stable and can deal with externalities in terms of actually coming to them and be able to deliver you know for everyone mm. right so that's that's great but then when as, as a citizen like it's it's interesting isn't it? as a shareholder i can i can vote every day right as a shareholder so if i like what west farmers is doing today but i hate what they do tomorrow i just pull my money out and away i go as a shareholder mm. but as a citizen that's much more problematic. I get a chance once, um, I mean, weirdly here every three years, I still don't understand that. Um, but in most other democracies, it's at least four, you know, or if not five, to to then kind of re reframe kind of where something's actually going. So as a citizen, that is your moment to be able to actually input on this on this agenda. I think the, the issue then becomes is about this inertia, right? And a lot of kind of political theorists talk about how, like, really politics today is about basically destroying the future hope of the populace and you know making it all short term so that's what you vote for right which is pocket nerve yeah which is shit <laughs> like when you out. really really think about that and yeah. this is i mean we're about to have a live example of that yeah. in australia so it's like if i go to you and i'm like oh, look we're doing we actually haven't really done anything other than kind of get people through covid which you know was great obviously in terms of response but was quite flawed the way that they went about doing that but here's a little bit of candy in the short term we're going to reduce the price of fuel and we're going to give everyone a little bit of a you know some money in their pocket 
is that going to be enough to get them over the line, right? But scary the, thing is probably. Yeah, so but that then starts to prove out the theory, right? Which is that this longer term narrative piece kind of actually has to be, it's part of citizenship to actually kind of have a view and actually be able to actually influence that, that agenda. Because if we're always short term, just as in, in the capital markets, like yeah. as a shareholder, if everyone's voting today and not looking five years out, value's never created. And I think that's one of the issues we face in democracy is that it's like well value is created over the long term someone actually has to come across and do it right and i you know i've used it once already in this in this in this podcast but the mbn is a great example of nation building mm. right it's of course it's flawed but everything is like everything is in terms of where do you go but there was a political will to get it done and once it's actually set up it kind of rolls itself through and we haven't had political will around climate change since Rudd's carbon tax went down in flames. So, you know, kind of um, Kevin 747 went <laughs> literally ditched into the Pacific, right? I mean, but that's that that was a big well, that part was of less, it. That's why no one's touching it. Yeah. But yeah, you, you hit on a good point. I really liked what you're saying a lot in there around corporate culture mm. and building that. But there's also corporate culture that builds terrible leadership and does to go to the short. So there is the long and the short of that. But you're right. Yep. Good culture fosters good culture, fosters good leaders, fosters great return for all. That's fabulous. But a lot of the time that isn't the case. True. And you see those stories go. But then when we go into politics, it's so true around... Your point that we get to vote one time every three, five, depending on where you are, none at all in yeah. other countries or True. it's complete farce. Yeah. Um, and what that means, that short, your candy, whatever, however you're going to eat that and how mm. that wins. It's just, it's yeah. strange where politics has gotten and it's so like the root cause of that is so deep and mm. so twisted, I think. I think you're right. There's, there's a lot on the citizenship and what people actually want, whether we can even think that far we went on drive on the weekend and we we're talking about yeah. i don't know a people's innate inability to sort of forecast into the future sometimes mm. and and see what could be coming yeah and just how we don't really do that we're very reactionary um so it's a it's a hard game to play but i think it is responsibility of leadership once again like we're there but there is movement there is there is a push for for actual oh, definitely. policy, but, I, but whether I think it gets yeah. through the gates of yeah. of democracy is another thing here in Australia. Totally, totally. But there's no alternative. That's, that's what kills me. It's yeah. like we yeah. get on that horse again. There's no, yeah. there isn't. There's actually no option. But there is. But what's the option? Well, you just ignore it until you can't, right? Yeah. So that's 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 the optionality. Like I, I think, but to your point around the, the systemic issues around kind of you know taking something like a hopeful narrative that a lot of countries used to base themselves on. Mm. So, like you know, like America is a great example because it's literally the brand of democracy that everyone holds up in terms of basically I can go there if I work hard. You know, it's kind of, you know, the right to life, liberty and kind of, you know, a life well lived. That is ingrained in their constitution, right? Mm -hmm. They put that in there. So when you kind of, when you look at kind of it through that lens, what's happened with like the notion, therefore it's kind of codified through the American dream. What now people call bullshit on that, but yet leadership hasn't really recast it in a way like Obama tried and he was probably the last one but I mean he got marred in the mud of trying to bring in Medicare right because you know the reality is is the hospital and drug lobby didn't want it because it cost them it cost them money but that's 
that's kind of the the part of politics that is interesting at this point mm. in time is that it becomes very very short term you know and then therefore you know as a populist we all kind of sit there and we're just like even the way that it's framed like it's you know you i i find electioneering fascinating because yeah, it's framed between two parties that's wrong that is instantly you know we're gonna end the up setup in a, is r- it's, right, set up is fucked yeah you know, straight off the bat yeah, exactly straight off the bat that yeah. is absolutely it's already rigged so it's kind of i've got an a choice and i've got a b choice and then they put out policy positions which broadly are net net the same but then the political game to win is actually against one another it's not actually about delivering against the vision of the country yeah it borrows from sport that borrows from gladiator culture it does like who are who are we going for scomo or albo yeah it turns into that because then we've got a media landscape that yeah. just loves popular, conflict popular politics right yeah. it's pop it's popularism but yet the the rigor in the debate is like kind of you know to your point is that you know you like a frog in a pot you can sit there until you wake up one day and you're you're boiled you're being served a, in a paris paris restaurant or you can actually sit there and kind of really understand that you're kind of this is where we're actually at but there are there's still window left left to do things but that's that's the human condition so much of what we look at is that we're we're broadly hopeful about the direction of some someone will figure it out whereas when it comes to big issues like this it actually takes the only thing we all have in common which is government to figure it out mm. it's true but yeah how short that time frame get, gets shorter and shorter so one <laughs> day it's you know yeah, it really has to push the candy out or it has to become the candy. Like, it's just, yeah. it's so strange. Yeah, or in the short term, some leader has to step up and just be like, I'm going to take it on the chin. I'm going to push it through because I have yeah. the majority to do so. And that's that. And I'll probably get voted out. Yeah, it wouldn't but that it be is, great? But it is what it is. It right? is what it is. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's been no, one, no one killed the NBN, but everyone's complained about it since, right? Yeah. But it's, it's true. It's always been a divisive topic. Yeah. yeah. Depending on which way you want to slice the, the pony. Um, <laughs> the coal pony. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I really love these conversations. I could take go f- for mm. hours on this. I find it fascinating about how narrative drives a collective mm. and individual and then also the hurdles that come along with that and, mm. and what happens. I think we've laid some interesting thoughts out there around today and around the short and the long. I don't know if we've devised a, a concrete strategy, but I think we've sort of followed the paths along and imagined sort of what's what sort of stops a good narrative what is the use case of a good narrative and then what is the use case of a short one to get there Hmm. um and what that really means i don't think we've provided any major answers necessarily i think as a thought experiment in terms of where we are and how narrative does drive us does um yeah it's an interesting one but it's always a contradictory one at the moment in terms of politics yeah like i think the the tool or the lesson that comes out of conversations like this is that you have to look for how connected the narrative is right and so success is always always in life through a connected narrative between the short the medium and the and the long term so is you know as an optimist or as a skeptic or however you want to look at these things is that that's what you have to look for because that's where value value is found you see it in everything right you see it you can see it in your personal life so kind of most of the people you admire tend to have a very connected narrative in terms of kind of how their personal and professional family however you know achievement life is all connected in a thread and people have a strong sense of who they are right and it's and it all kind of stacks up and that's that's great because that's a connected connected narrative 
narrative and you can see it in organizational life you you feel it mm. when you actually walk into into a business about how connected things actually are right you kind of you feel that through the way that the place is designed you know kind of do you actually see you know the ceo kind of sleeves rolled up walking around the business what do you actually see kind of working working in those spaces or is it all very hidden closed doors you know kind of closed off you know what do you what do you see but that's that's easy it's kind of it's a really nice hack to look at it and you also see it in your citizenship life right you can see it around you like kind of things that are actually very connected and actually kind of moving moving things forward you know whether that's about you know the journey we're starting to go on here in victoria around reconciliation and actually kind of truth telling that at the moment is a very connected program will it stay that way i don't know but it's certainly starting off off that way so i mean you see these things in in your life but you have to you have to look for them and know that when you don't see it there's a real problem and that might be a short-term problem um but it's likely a long-term problem mm, i'm trying to think the next place to go with that is where you've yeah. lost momentum for the short and the long it feels like mm. that's where we're landing on climate right now there mm. is that momentum but how to be <laughs> i don't know if we want to keep going down that path but how to build from a supposed dead end <laughs> well it's a, it's just a good like it's a good case study it's not that it's kind of digging in you know to the to the view i mean it's it's an existential issue yeah. right but, but i feel like every generation comes up with that that's what's yeah. what history shows a lot of the time in terms of mm-hmm. geopolitics or geopolitical problems yeah. is that there is always that stump yeah, the and difference with this though is it's global, right? So yeah. the, the difference with but this is But you could is say that Cold, Cold War was global to a degree, but there was two power sure. brokers, two two people involved. This yeah. is kind of this is or you two know, groups, yeah, yeah, well, states well, or maybe it was yeah, two people, for, 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 for probably two people at the time, or <laughs> well, maybe one, just Doctor Strange. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, <laughs> some random person living in Norway. Well, that's a shout I, out to the yeah, great film. But it is, yeah, yeah, but there's. What I'm what I'm saying in that is that this is kind of this is a different thing yeah. where it's actually the the this is can we see the the earth as a whole, right? Can we actually see it's how all of us? It's 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 a huge, huge moment. moment, and it's not, and it's interesting because I think you know most people would say that humans were going to eat the world in terms of kind of just population growth, right? So that was going to be our core issue, right? In terms of kind of this explosion of humanity, but that's now being reined in. We're going to hit person sooner than anyone thought but the issue is our consumption of resources per person has done this mm. and continues to do that yeah, yeah. and the digital age is going to demand that it does that yeah so it's kind of this moment in time where kind of you know our whole world is becoming digitized but yet we're actually we could all become unstuck you know very very quickly because we don't understand the system that we're actually working within, right? So it's it's kind of even if you just took, um, and this is where corporates are starting to head with all of this, is that if you take a governance and risk framework and any good board director will be looking at a business and going, right, Our big, one of our biggest risks is actually this, yeah. right? Because, it, you know, like, I mean, just look at what's happened in New South Wales. Like, I mean, you're, you're Woolworths, right? You're going, whew, we're on a winner here. Like, you know, everyone's, everyone's at home. You know, everyone's kind of eating more at home. Kind of there's slight inflation inflation so therefore we can charge a little bit more for all of our stuff particularly fresh food and then bang one of the one of the biggest food bowls for kind of greens in the country gets wiped out right and then all of a sudden it's like oh right what the hell are we going to actually do about that that is that's kind of climate right and in terms of and you look at it and it's not just there it's then you would have bushfires you'll have kind of floods taking out roads going into wa these are tangible risks that you know a company sitting there going 
that every leadership has to grapple with has to grapple with where they sit with that and how it impacts that structure and that's Mm. what's happening so much at a global level which is fascinating because it is Mm. at our door and narrative doesn't allow for it to be at our door i think that's that friction point that i've felt Mm. so strongly is that it is it is the can it is here like it's on top of us but that's i suppose the danger with that narrative is it's saying it's in the future yeah. So that's the tricky thing. But then yeah. leadership now is acknowledging that it's it's actually through our door. Yeah, it's no, actually it's, lifted up my couch. But that's, but that's the yeah, totally. But that's yeah. the, that's the the actual difference, Pat. Right? Yeah. I mean, you're spot on. Is that what? And this is kind of you know this is the big meta thing that I think is going on in our world at the moment is who's going to solve it, mm. right? Because who solves for this is like is it actually going to be the corporation, right? In terms of that it actually solves a lot of these things through a risk framework, or is it going to be government that actually still controls all of the assets that broadly particularly when it comes to power and particularly when it comes to kind of fuel and stuff government historically has been the person to put in that infrastructure but this time that's not the case all right right? yeah you know what i mean like it's it's more it's more um like i mean it's more tesla doing that on kind of shareholder value on the never never profit promise and it's more amazon building that kind of immediate infrastructure delivery than it is government and so what does that then mean into the future like am i going to live in amazonia or a teslaville if it was up to tesla in amazonia 100 percent. but that's but the, yeah. i think the thing that we can go next yeah. i've been looking for is is yeah. governance like yeah. i think that is what is changing around mm. even look at the tesla model why it excelled was because yeah. it allowed open source tech yeah. and allowed passionate people to come in and actually add value Mm. and i think that's what we we have this Mm. weird narrative with government we feel separated from government but government is a representation of us yes and until we reclaim that again and there there are Mm. government structures that allow that reclaim reclamation yeah um and it would be cool to explore that how how what are the different government structures and then well yeah what's it what's yeah no spot on like because what's the basis of government so like to kind of that's the part that's interesting about what you're what you're saying is that the narrative of a country has often been based on sovereignty in yeah. terms of kind of through um, through currency like the right to tax and the right to kind of you know protect you through army and then kind of put this services layer in you know around kind of that you get to drive on the roads that the government builds like you just got to think about how you interact with government it's yeah. typically but now most of the roads we build are toll roads, right? So it's kind of like, it, it is an interesting time yeah. where kind of what, 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 what do they do? Yeah, and why is it they, why isn't it us? Like mm. our language around government mm. isn't, it's like this entity that's created, but yeah. it's created from us mm. and what that actually means. Like I think there needs to be a process of reclaiming that and yeah. holding account. And there are structures out there that are trying new governance models to allow that attachment of the personal back in yep, cool. and to help drive it. So it'd be cool to explore that. That sounds great. Cool. Um, so we'll do that. I guess we're well, off. We've got Easter breaks. Yeah, we do. We do. So, so the Easter bunny is coming to town. <laughs> chocolate eggs. <laughs> and a few hot cross buns, perhaps. Although yeah. not a fan, really. But Not a fan. you got no. to get to London Flinders um, local bakery. They've got a bit of lemon zest in there. Oh, that could be nice. Yeah. yeah could uh, <laughs> good could out. be a good solve. Could be a good solve. Yeah. But so I we'll be back. imagine you getting around them but anyway that's yeah. another podcast <laughs> it is yeah so we got what kind of a couple weeks off in essence and then we're back yeah. we're back on air with a banger yes we're talking about governance yeah all right well two of them patty um have a good easter yeah you too yeah all right catch up thank you for listening to bau business as unusual 
Subscribe and learn more at baupod.co. That's baupod.co.